Hello and welcome to Want to Hear Something Weird, a podcast about weird, wild, maybe even wonderful stuff. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Reynolds. And I'm Laura. When we come across strange stories, we love sharing them with one another. And now we invite you, the listener, to indulge in the curiosity of the bizarre and unexplained along with us. Laura, today I want to tell you about something weird that I came across from 1561. Whoa, that's really back there. It's a long time ago. Uh, And uh, this is a pretty, like a pretty well-known event, I would say, for being uh, all the way back in 1561. Mm -hmm. I don't know too many other things that happened in 1561. Uh, Paranormal wise, anything wise. <laughs> Actually, I can't really. Nothing's coming. I know uh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. That's right. That's about yeah, you know, and even that that was a good uh, what 60, 60 quick match years ago. But this was like the time of the Tudor period, King mm-hmm. Henry the Eighth. Yeah, medieval times, right? Is this considered medieval, medieval time? Oh, it is the Renaissance. Okay. That's what it's considered oh. all over the world. <laughs> uh, and especially in Nurem- Nuremberg, Germany. Okay. Um, famous for later having trials after World War II with a bunch of Nazis and stuff. But before then, it was famous for a different reason. And that was because they had quite the celestial event happen there one morning. Now, what is a celestial event, just broadly speaking, for the listener's sake? Uh, I mean, I think in this case, a celestial event is about as best as they could describe what they saw, which was essentially a bunch of weird stuff happening up in the sky. Okay. So stuff happening in the sky. Stuff happening in the sky. I guess maybe I should start with the what the newspaper, the broadsheet, uh, how they recounted the events. Oh, yes. This is translated. I'm not going to read it in its original in, in German. The German, German. No. Uh, in the morning of April 14th, 1561, at daybreak, between 4 and 5 a.m., a dreadful apparition occurred on the sun. And then this was seen in Nuremberg in the city before the gates and in the country by men and women. At first, there appeared in the middle of the sun two blood-red semicircular arcs, just like the moon in its last quarter. And in the sun, above and below and on both sides, the color was blood. There stood a round ball of partially dull, partially black ferrous color. Likewise, there stood on both sides and as a torus about the sun such blood-red ones and other balls in large number, about three in one line and four in a square, also some alone. Oh, goodness. This is the... This is not like a machine <laughs> translation or anything, by the way. This is, I think, just kind of the way text was back then. Not everybody was super literate, and I think they maybe just kind of like had to really spell things out. Because I feel like this so far, this description is not painting a picture. It's I was going to say, I have no idea what's happening. Well, I'll, I'll continue and then uh, I'll paint a picture myself. Okay. Could you take us back? What's a broadsheet? Just a broadsheet is, well, I'm going to talk about the broadsheets oh, in general okay. in a little bit later, but th- essentially a newspaper. Yes. This okay. is right around when the printing press became like a big deal. The old Gutenberg. 
the Gutenberg press, but I don't know if Gutenberg had anything to do with the the Nuremberg press, despite their similar sounding ah, names. I see. But yeah, a similar type of press, I think. In between these globes, there were visible a few blood red crosses, between which there were blood red stripes becoming thicker to the rear and in the front malleable like the rods of reed grass, which were intermingled among them two big rods, one on the right, the other on the left. And within the small and big rods, there were three, also four, and more globes. Now it's here where it's, again, that's kind of hard to picture, but it starts getting interesting here. These all started to fight among themselves so that the globes, which were first in the sun, flew out to the ones standing on both sides. Therefore, the globes standing outside the sun and the small and large rods flew into the sun. Besides, the globes flew back and forth among themselves and fought vehemently with each other for over an hour. And when the conflict in and again out of the sun was most intense, they became fatigued to such an extent that they all, as said above, fell from the sun down upon the earth as if they burned. And then they wasted away on the earth with immense smoke. After all this, there was something like a black spear, very long and thick, sighted. The shaft pointed to the east, the point pointed west. Whatever such signs mean, God alone knows. Although we have seen shortly one after another many kinds of signs on the heaven, which are sent to us by the almighty God to bring us repentance, we still are unfortunately so ungrateful that we despise such high signs and miracles of God. So now he's getting into, you know, kind of shaming people, saying it's your fault all this weird stuff's happening in the sky. Or we speak of them with ridicule and discard them to the wind in order that God may send us frightening punishment. On account of our ungratefulness, you know, I'm going to skip the rest. It just kind of goes into a, a bunch of God stuff. Here's the picture I'm going to paint for you. Yes, please do. And there's a famous uh, woodblock printing of this, of everything that went down so that it didn't need to be explained in such uh, excruciating detail. And then my next question, what's a woodblock printing? A woodblock printing is uh, was a popular form of capturing an image at the time and disseminating it. So okay. they didn't have cameras back then. They didn't. They didn't have cameras. No not, smartphones. Not even black and white cameras <laughs> at the time. Uh, that's how uh, far back they were. So otherwise, it would be, all right, well, we got to show everybody what this looked like. I guess I'll draw 10,000 pictures. No, come on. That's going to take too much work. So what they would do is carve like a relief out of wood that then they could put ink on top of and put paper on top of. Basically, they made a wood block is like a giant stamp. I see. So there's a wood block of this that was part of this broadsheet that just shows kind of all hell breaking loose in the sky. Just a bunch of rods, a bunch of balls, they're shooting things at each other. There's like a big arrow in the sky. There's red burning crosses. And then there's also off in the distance, kind of like smoke rising up from the ground where supposedly, uh, according to witnesses, something crashed. They got fatigued and they crashed to the ground and beaten smoked. Yeah. So obviously this caused a lot of confusion. I would say so. I, <laughs> I think that would be shocking and startling. 
by many men and women. By men and women. They didn't mention children. I guess it's too early for children to be up between four and five. <laughs> so um, Are you kidding? They're up. You know, milking cows. Yeah, that's true. They're feeding the pigs, putting them in the chimney, sweep out the chimneys because <laughs> uh, they're little. So celestial events were an interesting thing at the time because we were kind of starting the royal we. I wasn't back there, of course. Uh, figuring out as some, as far as you know, as far as I know, we started figuring out some stuff about the sky. And the stars and, and all of that. Up until the, around this time, they thought, okay, everything that's up there, like the stars, the sky, that's that. The moon can change when it's you know turning around us and stuff. But the stars, they don't change. That's just kind of a, you know, they turn, of course, but where they are, that's it. Right. So because they could tell that the moon would move. Right. Stars wouldn't. Well, the stars would move, I guess, but they could chart their course. Yeah. Right. They, so they, they all stayed relatively in the same place yeah. relative to one another. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we had it all down. We thought, right. okay, this is great. The stars, we, we get it. We know what they're up to. But then in 1592, which is, uh, you know, after this, but in the same time period, there was something called Tycho Supernova. So this was a Danish astronomer named Tycho Brahe, B-R-A-H-E, Brahe? Your Brahe. guess is as good as mine. <laughs> oh, no, he was Danish. He found, or I guess he, he didn't find it because I guess a lot of people saw it. There was a supernova, I believe. When I was reading about this, they said it was one of 12 supernovas that was visible throughout human history. Oh. So supernova is when a star is dies and explodes. Yes. And we know from, I guess, looking at the stars and stuff, when these things happen, this was one of the few times it happened while humans were around. And as, and was also one of the best documented because people saw it in the sky. It was so bright that they would you would be able to see it during the day too. Mm. I don't think they could really see any for you know. It's not like they saw uh, like in the Star Wars movies where like the Death Star is exploding and everybody can see it. I think it just looked like a very bright star. But again, so bright it was visible during the day. It caused a lot of people to go like, huh, maybe we don't know everything about uh, what, what's going on out there. And when did this event happen in relative to the event we're talking about today? This event happened about 30 years later, 29 years later. Was, oh, uh, the Tycho Supernova. Okay. But like I said, the 16th century, a period of significant advancement spurred by individuals like Copernicus, Tycho, and later Kepler. Mm -hmm. Um, th those are all names. Well, except for Tycho that <laughs> we know to this day. And it was also like a big thing in Renaissance art. Okay. So yeah, I would imagine these kinds of events would cause a lot of, you know, creative people to document them in their creative outlets. Yeah. And, and just try to, I think, probably get to the bottom of what's going on. And, you know, if this is some kind of sign from God, you know, a lot of times they thought it was like a bad omen, you know, some kind of a warning. I forgot to mention, let me see if I have it here when this happened. 1554, 
So seven years earlier, mm-hmm. the same uh, woodcut artist, oh. and uh, I think he also like kind of wrote what was what was in the broadsheets. Okay. He also reported on the time it rained blood in Nuremberg. Oh, so a lot's going on <laughs> in Nuremberg yeah. at this time. It started raining blood, which, you know, kind of freaked people out. I'd say so. Uh, we now know that when that happens, when it rains blood, mm-hmm. that it's, <laughs> Naturally. it's not actually blood. It's uh, I think a lot of times it's like dust or fungus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, kind of in the air and then it gets trapped in the rain droplets and comes down. Right. But again, they didn't know they all didn't this know. stuff. So you're you're living in Nuremberg, you know, uh, one day it rains blood and you're like, well, I guess that's the weirdest thing that's ever going to happen. Like that would I would I would imagine would be a very bad omen. Yeah. Or Even nowadays think. if it started raining blood, I'd be a little uh, freaked out about it. So I don't know if, you know, if this guy uh, Hans Glazer, the woodcut artist if he was just kind of like, I don't know, real into uh, weird stuff, if he was like the the Robert Stack of his day, <laughs> or if it was just a lot of weird stuff happened in Nuremberg and, uh, you know, he, he was just capturing it. He just happened to be there and be the one that knew how to wood cut wood. How to cut wood. It was hard because you have to like kind of do it in reverse, you know, because it's like a negative image. Right. Uh, seems pretty tricky to do. Hmm. Uh, and like I said, this woodcut is bonkers, everything that's going on in there. So not only that, a few years later, what is this, five years later? In 1566, in Basel, Sw- Switzerland. Okay. Uh, just a few years later, similar occurrence, according to an account by Samuel Kakus, C-O-C-C-I-U-S, students and townspeople saw large black globes moving at high speed in the sky, engaging what appeared to be a battle similar to the Nuremberg event. Interesting. I wonder I wonder what the, the actual distance is between those two places, but the fact that it's happened in two places. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I should mention in Basel in 1566, it happened three times. It happened on July 27th, 28th, and they thought everything was over. And then August 7th, it happened again uh, against the sunrise and sunset. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's freaky. Right. And, I, and I'm and i guessing uh, the Nuremberg, that was between 4 and 5 a.m. That must have been around sunrise, too. Right. Which, I mean, we'll get to there. There are some possible natural explanations for this. But it does make you think, oh, is this was this something that was going on up there that people couldn't see until unless the sun was going mm-hmm. up or down and then it kind of reflected uh like it was constantly going on but there were battles going on all the time yeah. above them but they were quiet quiet battles and uh sun's in the right place though and it outs them but then the battling aliens go like all right well who cares oh aliens well it could have been mm. who else could have been battling up there I don't know. I mean, it's aliens or gods or, well, and they just believed in one God. So they thought it was just God, I don't know, kind of like showing off for them or or trying to get them to uh, warn them, warn them, tell them what they're doing is no good. Do we know anything about Nuremberg at this time that what's life like? What could they possibly think could be a, you know, 
an explanation for something that they need to be punished for. Oh, yeah. So they are at this time a free imperial city in the Holy Roman Empire, which means they're not directly subject to like an emperor or anything, or they are directly subject to the emperor in Rome, but they don't have like an intermediate lordship or anything like that. You know, they, they kind of are somewhat autonomous. They have a special political uh, status and significant autonomy, but this is also during the Reformation. Before you get to that, Mm -hmm. let me ask you a question that no one has ever asked another person, (laughs) certainly not a woman asking the man in her life. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Oh, how long do I, how often do I think? I've been thinking about it a lot today when, (laughs) when I was reading about this. Other than that, I don't think about the Roman Empire all that often, to be honest with you. I'm with you. But, I, you know, I think maybe I should think about it more. The last time I thought significantly about the Roman Empire, it was at a museum. And I was looking <laughs> at, uh, like, Roman helmets, mm. you know, that the soldiers wore. And, uh, you know, they look like the helmets in uh, 300. All the, uh, you know, that the guys with the abs and the pecs oh, of course, that they yes. would wear. And they had, sorry, you were going to say something? Well, I was going to, I was going to share the time I thought the most about the Roman Empire. Well, when was that? I went to the Roman baths in Bath, England. Okay. Thought about it a lot then because I just. Are they the same baths? They are. The same baths. The baths that they built are still there. You can go and visit them. Can you go inside and take a bath? I mean, you certainly could take a dip. There's water there. No one did. Okay. It's not. Did they tell you not to, don't go in there. That's for ancient people. Yes. (laughs) I saw a video recently of some idiot diving into Elvis's pool in Graceland, and he he got in trouble for doing that. Is it like blessed water? That I think it's probably just like, we don't want idiots diving into this (laughs) pool. We're not insured for that. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, when I thought about the Roman Empire, I was looking at these two helmets and it was like, oh, this helmet's from this time. This helmet's from like 300 years later. And I'm looking at it and going like, you really improve this helmet all that much. <laughs> and it, it made me think, you know, maybe the Roman Empire is a little overrated. You hear about all the cool stuff they had going on back then. But it sounds like, I don't know, they weren't improving things like uh, at a rapid pace. I've, I'm sure that you're going to get a lot of flack for saying <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just saying if I were back there, I'd be, I'd say, I'm hey, sure. how about putting some padding in these helmets, guys? <laughs> I don't know how good this is if you get hit with a sword and it just uh, knocks you unconscious. So anyway, yeah, the religious reformation's going on. So uh, the Protestantism is coming about. It's, you know, challenging the Catholic Church's dominance. Right. Like Martin Luther and yeah. all that. Yeah. But uh, the city, Nuremberg's like a, a very wealthy city. It's got great architecture. It's got a lively art scene. Okay. And keep in mind, not everything is great during this time. You know, it's the 1500s. Everything still sucks. There's like the plague. Everyone smells. Everyone's yeah. hungry. Everyone's cold. Yeah, yeah, except for the people in Nuremberg, I guess. Killing each other. Yeah. They yeah. they were doing well enough that they didn't really have to worry about this stuff. Maybe just the upper crust, though. Yeah. Uh, we only ever hear about the upper class in these types of... Uh, yeah. Well, so these uh, broadsheets, it was basically like one big 
piece of newspaper mm-hmm. and they were, you know, printed cheaply. They, I think they were relatively cheap to get. And they're, they're one of the first forms of uh, mass media mm-hmm. because there was a growing literate middle class, but then there were also people that weren't literate. There were often like public readings of the broadsheets. Sometimes it was, you know, the people that made the broadsheets, they would, you know, kind of read them out, uh, you know, at a corner or whatever as like a little teaser. You know, mm-hmm. you want to hear more about that crazy stuff that happened by one of our broadsheets. I love this stuff. Just broadsheets? <laughs> just, you know, the history of mass media. It's mm-hmm. just so interesting. And also, I would imagine this is sort of how the Reformation came to be because yeah. they were able to, you know, print out pamphlets right. and stuff and yeah and, and get stuff out there well and also like the catholic church believe at the around this time it was still kind of like the church didn't want you to like have your own bible at home that you could just read up it was no the you priest to, will tell right. you wh- how to interpret this we don't need you interpreting your own stuff okay um because yeah, there there just wasn't it, it wasn't reasonable to own your own Bible. There was you know somebody ha- would have had to sit down and write the whole bi- copy it from yeah uh, another source for you. What I also thought was interesting about these broadsheets, this broadsheet in particular, this uh, was reported. The broadsheet came out April fourteenth. This happened April fourth. Oh, uh, it was not quick or easy to make these woodcuts. Mm-hmm. So even when they like would put a rush on it, it would still take days to, so to make a woodcut. Hans Glazer Hans, was Hans Glazer. pulling some all-nighters, yeah. whittling away at this. Because <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is hot news. I got to get this out I mean, that, right I, away. I think a 10-day turnaround in uh, the 1500s is pretty solid. You think? I mean, I would think if I woke up, it would be fine if I hadn't seen it. But if I saw this myself... I'd be spending those next 10 days going, why isn't this in the broadsheets? (laughs) This is huge news. There was either a space battle or God came to warn us about something. And, uh, you know, these guys take their sweet time. I don't know what else was being. Sounds like the broadsheets. It was kind of like a lot of uh, gossip and stuff like that, too. It was, you know, whatever people wanted to actually hear about. That's what they would read about in the broadsheets uh also of interest to me at least this guy uh this kind of has nothing to do with the actual event but hans wolf glazer he was married and then he died Mm. and in 1557 his widow married wolf dressel former apprentice of her husband Mm, who continued glazer's workshop and continued to use his printing blocks wow you know my and his wife and his and a man's wife and a man's printing blocks my first thought is what an incredible opportunity for a historical fiction romance novel oh yeah if maybe that already exists right the hans being driven mad by seeing this uh sky battle while uh yes neglecting his wife and, and then she has she's forced into the arms of his apprentice uh, the arms of wolf maybe that'll <laughs> be the name of <laughs> the, the the ink-stained arms of wolf uh i think this is also back during the time when it was like hey uh when i die take care of my wife please please marry my yes, wife well because she'll be otherwise, otherwise she'll just die out out in the gutter yeah um they didn't have gutters, probably. They 
probably had like some natural gutters that had been that had been formed. But yeah, I mean that's uh that's basically it. That's what I wanted to tell you about. So I think oh, I, I mentioned that there there might be some uh like uh actual explanations for this. One of the big ones is a sun dog. Do you know what a sun dog is? And this isn't a uh I'm not trying to get you with a you know, do you know what up dog is? Oh, thank you for clarifying that. Sun dog. No, sundial, sun, sun or hot dog? No, no. sun dog. So it is a, a natural event that happens basically when there's a lot of ice crystals in the sky, which, you know, can happen before dawn. Mm-hmm. And also usually happens at dawn or sundown when the when the sun is low in the sky. And basically it is a trick of the light, I guess where the light from the sun is refracting off these ice crystals in a very weird way that creates kind of a circle around the sun to the left and the right of the sun. It creates what are sometimes known as false suns, where it looks like there are two other suns in the sky because this Mm. is reflecting, you know, the actual sun, very weird looking phenomena, which can certainly explain part of what was going on in this but it does not explain to to my uh satisfaction where's the dog in that description you know i was sounding a bit like fluffy from harry potter the three-headed dog oh okay uh yeah i guess it's three but maybe like two ears and a big head or something no I looked it up on Wikipedia and there is like a entomology, right? That's the study of words, not the study of bugs. <laughs> but uh, apparently nobody really knows why it's called a sun dog. Now that would explain seeing multiple suns in the sky, but that would not explain, and maybe even the arcs and whatnot and like the sun being a weird color, but that does not explain rods and balls right. flying around and fighting each other and then crashing to the earth. And I would imagine, you know, these things that apparently crashed the earth, they just kind of blew up and no one went and able, was able to find any sort of. That was uh, part of the the original article. Oh, OK. Was that um, and when the conflict in and again out of the sun was the most intense, they became fatigued to such an extent that they all, as said above, fell from the sun down upon the earth as if they all burned and they then wasted away on the earth with immense smoke. So it sounds like they essentially like self-destructed or disintegrated once they landed on, on earth. Now, no, I would assume, you know, again, this is not the best reporting. <laughs> Newspapers were a brand new thing. They only had so much room. There uh, wasn't a, a strict code of journalistic integrity. No, there there was no, I don't think maybe they even had the idea like, oh, we should interview people about things. Because I'm thinking if this happened, there's got to be one or two crazy guys that go, we're going to go see what, what that is. We're going to go follow that smoke and see what we can find. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing because this article saying that they wasted away that nobody found anything or they just found, you know, smoldering 
wreckage, not even wreckage, just kind of like a hunk of yeah. ash. Yeah. And they assumed, which does, I mean, you have to think if aliens are coming to visit Earth, especially in 1592, even if they're having some kind of Star Wars in the sky, they've got to have some kind of agreement like, hey, uh, everybody, if your spaceship crashes on Earth, uh, set it to self-destruct mode because otherwise it will really freak these these uh you know german peasants out down there they they can't even read let alone comprehend uh aliens from another galaxy or whatever so are there yeah i mean i would think imagine trying to imagine what it would be like to be you know a person who looks out up at the sky at 4 a.m and sees this and how you explain this because obviously for 10 days before it was even in the broadsheet, they're talking mm. to, amongst each other, like, what could that have been? And and so they think that, you know. There's, it, there's probably a line out the confession booth and yes. down, <laughs> down the block at maybe, the church. Yeah, maybe it was a, you know, a big stunt by the Catholic Church to get people. Good, yeah, to, to, hey, quit thinking about that Protestantism. Look, you're making uh, God so mad he's throwing rods down at the earth. I would imagine that would really affect a lot of people. I mean, genuinely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they were thinking about potentially leaving the church or something and or having these ideas. Right. Uh, they're, yeah. They're coveting their neighbor's wife or something. And then this happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think about that all the time, even with things like uh, coveting their husband's apprentice. Apprentice. <laughs> um, even with things like eclipses, I think, man, back before we knew what that was, so many people must have gone, oh, the world's ending. Right. <laughs> that I've, I've been alive for 30 years or whatever, and I've never seen this happening. The sun's going away during the day. Yeah. Well, I guess this is it. Pack it up. God's really pissed at us. And even... I mean, these events that have happened around the time, mm -hmm. even though they are in a broadsheet or the information is being disseminated, yeah, the general public can't read. I mean, you, right. you do have to be, only certain people could read, so it's not mm -hmm. like everybody is getting this information and is on the same page. Well, and the information they're getting is, this was God, you made him mad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Shape not- Shape up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I should point out, if it, if it wasn't clear, that- you know, at no point seemingly did anyone in Nuremberg go, hey, I think that could be aliens. And I don't think they really thought about aliens at all. That's a more modern yeah. look back so, at it. So it's the kind of thing where it's been this historical record of this like weird, wacky thing. And, you know, there are other historical records similar to this where we now know, oh, here's what happened. And that's why... They all thought the world was ending or whatever. It was this weird celestial event that we now understand. This would happen with like comets at the time too. That you know they would say, "Oh, you know, an angel appeared tonight." And but yeah, none none of them uh, uh, stopped even for a minute to think oh, it could be aliens. This is our interpretation in modern day, looking back at this weird event that there still isn't a complete explanation for, and going. Maybe that was aliens, and the, you know, the, and it would make sense that this is how they would describe uh, seeing UFOs fighting each other. Yes, right. Interesting. Yeah. So that's uh, Nuremberg 
in uh, 1561. Do you think they would be more incredulous seeing this in the sky or if you went back then and and showed them an iPhone? Mm, Okay, well. (laughs) What do you think would scare them more? I remember watching the incredible piece of cinema Xenon Girl of the 21st Century on the Disney Channel. Okay. In the 90s, early aughts. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and just constantly being blown away by the technology from. Absolutely. There is a scene where she, I want to say she is on, the protagonist is on a. Uh, the protagonist is Xenon, I indeed. assume. Okay. And she's a girl of the 21st century. But she's in the present day, which is the 90s. No. Oh. She's in the 21st oh, century. Okay. And she, I want to say it takes place in like 2040. I could be wrong, okay. but that's what I'm thinking. It's mm-hmm. in the future, but not so far in the future. Right. And she's on a um, satellite, satellite? No. a, like um, a space station? Yes. Orbiting she's, the Earth. She's or living on a space station and mm-hmm. she's essentially. FaceTiming her best friend on Earth, <laughs> uh-huh. holding you know what looks like oh, like kind of like an iPad and just able yeah. to talk to her friend, and it blew my mind. Uh-huh. And I just couldn't believe that that, and I just didn't think that would ever happen in my lifetime. I was just like, that's incredible that you could just like talk to a look and see a, and talk to a person on a phone, um, and with no wires. And no wires, yeah. And you could even be in space, and it's fine. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, iPhones are pretty incredible. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I think if I was back then, I would just like I just wouldn't have the understanding of what that would be. Well, yeah. If somebody handed that you to like me angry and birds, <laughs> or just like showing pictures of yeah. people that you know or places you've been on the phone, it would just be. Or uh, absolutely like mind a blowing. TikTok filter. Yeah. Oh, forget forget it. <laughs> I don't know if they would work without a, uh, a signal. There are all these like not all these, but there's like you mean in this time time traveling scenario <laughs> where you bring an iPhone back, they can have a a Wi Fi signal. Yeah. Well, there's like a video. I think it's like an old Charlie Chaplin movie or something where somebody's walking down the street and it looks like they're on a cell phone. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's one of these things that people they are like, look, proof that time travel exists. This person's on a phone. But it's like, how are they talking on the phone? There's no <laughs> no uh, T-Mobile back then to put a signal out. Yeah. Uh, and if they're from the future, guess what? In the future, nobody talks on their cell phones. We just text on them. Yeah, well, that's so true. That person wasn't from the future. They were from, I don't know, the early 2000s. <laughs> We just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening. Want to hear something weird is a new podcast and we're trying to get the word out about the show and reach listeners who like good stories about weird stuff. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love if you could subscribe and take a moment to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Five star ratings really help to surface our show to new listeners. And if you really want to help the podcast, writing up a little review along that with that rating uh, goes a, a very long way. That would be amazing. Thank you. We're also super excited to hear from our listeners. You can tweet at us at wantahearpod or follow us on Instagram at wantahearpod. But really, we'd love any feedback, comments, or suggestions you want to email our way. We're at wantahearpod at gmail.com. 
If you want to email an audio note, we just might play your voice on an upcoming episode. All right, that's it for this week. If you like the show, why not uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? That would really help us out. A, a new show like us. A five-star review. A five-star review. Boy, I couldn't imagine anything better than that. You can also follow us at Want to Hear Pod on uh, all the social medias you could ever imagine. And email us at wantahearpod at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us what you're thinking. What Send you're loving. Spooky. Be nice, please. Spooky videos. Spooky. I don't know. Images. Spooky audio. You can even send yes. us a voice memo if, you, if you've got some kind of a wacky story to tell us. We'd love to hear it. Want to Hear Something Weird is a Clamor audio production distributed by the Cloud 10 Network. Hosted and executive produced by Tom Reynolds and Laura Anderson. Executive produced by Aaron Hilliard. Clamor General Manager Rich Statter. Associate Producer Ethan Aronson. Post-production supervised by Devin Ruskin. Production assistant, Samara Mullick. Special thanks to Sim Sarna and Saiba Krieger at Cloud 10. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.